Hi, and welcome to episode 53 of No Crying in Baseball, the strategery episode. My name's Patty, and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. A very tense Potty Mouth. You're I so tense. very tense. How we can are, help you? Well, I guess we just have to talk about this shit. It'll, maybe it'll make me feel better. I'm trying to be optimistic. You know, we're, we're recording this after the first game of the ACLS, where the uh, Red Sox unfortunately lost to the Astros, and I'm feeling kind of bad about it. But you know what? I woke up this morning. The sun came. No, the sun didn't come out. It was gray. <laughs> it was gray. But I still, I put on my Red Sox shirt. I went to the gym in attempts to to work off that really bad decision whiskey that I had in the ninth inning. And I put on more Red Sox gear, and here I am. I'm ready to face the day. So when you when you hear this, dear listeners, my current feelings will either be magnified because of tonight's game or neutralized because maybe maybe the Red Sox will come back. Maybe. You know, maybe if I'd seen the label of that whiskey where it said bad decision whiskey, <laughs> I would have not had a little ninth inning whiskey with you. And maybe I'd be feeling a little better right now. I just want to say I really appreciate you drinking it out of the wicked big shot glass. That was a good decision. That helped with the mojo in the house. And the other decision was having a very tiny little bit of it in the in the wicked <laughs> yeah. shot glass. What are we talking about today? Well, first thing we're going to talk about is what's up with our remaining boyfriends. We've got boyfriends in the postseason. That's the beauty of picking a boyfriend on every team. We're going to talk postseason strategy for the ALCS and also the NLCS. We're going to have a couple of teaching moments about how not to be a dickhead in the dugout or in the ballpark at large. We're going to catch you up on the latest in postseason wagers, some alternative baseball opportunities, and a legitimate reason for me to talk about hockey again. But this time, it sucks. First, remaining boyfriends, because we love them. Adore them. We adore them. So I've got Matt Kemp with the Dodgers. He's doing Matt Kemp things. I'm good about that. But my favorite current postseason boyfriend is Mike Moustakis of the Brewers because he is Mr. Reliable. He's playing a great third base. He's getting hits when they need hits. And I love hearing Miller Park yell moose whenever he gets up to bat. That's pretty cool. And also I have got the bonus um, Jonathan Scope boyfriend, former Orioles boyfriend now on the uh, on the Brewers. Nice. And I have a current boyfriend crush, as you may have gathered from the past few episodes of um, Christian Yelich, even though Deborah will not let me have him. And he's her boyfriend. And I can't even try to think about taking away a good friend's boyfriend. I was brought up right. And that explains a lot about her cruising in first place at the end of our fantasy ba- boyfriend baseball league season. Sure enough. Sure enough. Red Sox, I've got Benny, who was pretty great. And now he's nice, kind of like in the middle right now. So we're hoping for more Benny. And George Springer is totally my Mr. October with the Astros. So there's that. I think I'm doing pretty well with my boyfriend choices. Benny had a night last night. He was a little pissed off with some calls. And actually, Alex Cora got ejected because of saving Benny's little butt. So, you know, let's hope that Benny takes that and focuses that energy in a good way tonight. I really hope that happens. I've got some from my uh, boyfriend picks that we did at the very beginning of the season. So we really, our guys kind of held on there. Travis Shaw got a key home run yesterday. That's my Brewer's boyfriend. Kiki Hernandez is the boyfriend of boyfriends. He's just so cool. He's everything. He's all over the place. He plays the field. He goes up and down the batting order. And he's with the Dodgers. And he's with the Dodgers. <laughs> and he's with the Dodgers. But And they're using him all over the place, and he doesn't give a shit. You can bat him in the beginning. You can bat him in the end. He's still totally there. And there's a little bit of a campaign to let Kike catch. Please let Kike catch, Dodgers. It will be 
it's the only position that he's missing because he did have a, a little bit of a relief pitching stint, which was humorous in the middle of the season. He's played every other position. Let him catch just a game, just not a game. No, no, an inning, a part of an inning. I an don't out. care. How about an out? Something. How about an out? How about an out? My little guy, Jose Altuve, who I adore for the whole season until right about now when he's <laughs> against my Red Sox, I would, I'm wishing he would calm down just a little bit, just for a couple more games. And Pookie, my favorite because it's my Red Sox boyfriend, Mookie Betts, did get the first, was it the only hit last yeah, night? Sadly, it was, it was really, yeah. damn it. They started so well. And then, yeah. I, I can have an extra one, too, if you get a, a couple add-ons. I feel like Manny Machado is my cuñado, which means brother-in-law in Spanish, because his brother-in-law, Yandra Alonso, on the Indians, uh, oh, shit, Cleveland team, beep, um, <laughs> that's my Cleveland boyfriend. And, you know, by relation and stuff, I get a piece of Machado, right? I think it's all good. I think it's all good. And you can have them. You really can. Let's move on to Strategy. I'm going to talk Brewers and Dodgers because I don't really have a horse in the race or a dog in the fight, but I'm having a lot of fun watching them and I am leaning towards the Brewers. To talk about this, you have to understand what's meant by lefty-righty matchups. So here's your vocabulary lesson. You hear the word matchup a lot, especially in the postseason when managers swap out pitchers, they put in pinch hitters um, more often than they might in the regular season. Here's why they do that. When the pitcher and the batter are dominant in the same hand, they're both lefties or they're both righties, statistics seem to back up that the advantage goes to the pitcher. So if you've got a left-handed pitcher on the mound, he's doing great, and you've got to swap in a pinch hitter, you're going to put in a right-handed batter to go against him to try to even out the odds and vice versa. You might also hear the phrase situational pitching, right? You may be You'll see, especially in the postseason, a manager might put a pitcher in just to get one guy out. That might be how they do it. It might be because one is left-handed, one is right-handed. They want to make that match up. So how does that fit into the Dodgers and the Brewers? The Dodgers have big bats. They have a ton of home run hitters. That's how typically they've been scoring in the regular season, home run, home run, home run. The Brewers' strength is their deep bullpen. Right. So they can go for a long time with these matchups. They've also um, counsel the, the manager of the Brewers has not been shy about doing unusual pitching things like having guys go two innings, two innings, two innings instead of a traditional starter and then relief in late innings. So initially, because the bullpen is so good for the Brewers, the Dodgers said, OK, we've got to score early because if we don't get runs in before the sixth or seventh inning, we're not going to get them in because they're going to shut us down. So we've got to score early and score often. So the initial strategy for the Brewers to combat that is to alternate left-handed and right-handed pitchers early and often to screw up the Dodgers lineup. Because as soon as the lineup isn't, isn't as strong as it could be for the pitcher, they'll have to start subbing in people from the bench and eventually they're going to run out of those guys on the bench. So that was kind of how going into the series it looked. It worked great in game one. Um, our pal Gio Gonzalez, yay, Gio pitched two pretty good innings and then they put in the righty Woodruff and then they went to the lefty hater. Oh, uh, but anyway, but it, but it worked, okay? 
in game two, they sort of abandoned that strategy um, because Wade Miley was on a tear. He pitched like six, almost six full innings. He was fantastic. It was a much more traditional game and arrested the bullpen because the downside of all of this matchup stuff is if you put in a lot of relief pitchers for two innings this game and then two innings the next game, they're not built for that. They're not built for that for pitching that frequently. So they're going to wear out. So they kind of already started resting them yesterday. And that didn't work as soon as, as, um, as uh, Miley came out. So weirdly, the Dodgers did score late in both of the games, even though on paper they weren't supposed to do that. So you got your strategy and then you have what actually happens. So we'll see what actually happens tonight in game three. And you also have what Dave Roberts is doing with the Dodgers lineup. Like I said before, with Kike moving up and down, everybody's moving up and down. That lineup is moving all over the place and people are playing more than one position, more than just Kike. So I think that the Dodgers have the flexibility to address that kind of strategy that you're talking about. And one one other thing that just popped into my mind is it's really nice to see the local guys out there, that Gio Gonzalez from the Nationals and Wade Miley, who was last on the Orioles and before that even was on the Boston team. Um, also and- along those lines, Ryan Matson, former National, is now with the Dodgers. And it's kind of weird seeing them in different uniforms, but kind of happy that they get to play in the postseason, even if it's not here. Yeah. And if these teams aren't in the postseason, at least we have some guys in there who used to be local. I do have a dog and horse and cat in the race. <laughs> and I feel like it's more like a cat now because I'm just chasing it all over the fucking place. And of course, and I know El Jefe is going to ri- ri- roll his eyes because when you said strategy, I went into backstory. So I have a couple of grudges, crosses to bear kind of thing from last year's matchup between the Astros and the Red Sox in the ALDS. So the Red Sox didn't make it as far last year thanks to the Astros, and they won three games to one. Um, And Sale, our our starting pitcher last night who lost the game, lost twice last year against Verlander. So they were matched up last year. They're matched up again now. So I'm thinking, aren't we supposed to be learning from last year? And (laughs) if he's lost now three times on the matchup, are we going to start him in game four? I'm a little concerned about Sale. Hill's elbows were bare in Massachusetts weather last night. Did you see the crowd? Like, everybody was all bundled up. They were they were seriously layered. He was not. He was not. He was in short sleeves. And Cora came out in, in a pregame interview and put, putting that out as something positive. Like, look at him. He doesn't even wear sleeves because of something some guy in Chicago said to him. He has no body fat. The man needs layers. He does. He should have a fucking, like, like beanie hat on, you know, not just a baseball hat. Something with some warmth. Maybe some earmuffs. I don't know. Put on sleeves. I think that might be the key. I think Sale has to wear sleeves if he comes back for game four. Maybe he will He will win it. Um, and Verlander's just awesome. He's number two for postseason wins at this point with 13. So I started looking into, well, what's changed since last year? So this this is what I think should have changed, right? Sale should be wearing sleeves. <laughs> what, what have the teams been doing to change to strategize for this matchup? And that the Astros actually offseason had some strategic changes. They added Martin Maldonado from the Angels, Machete for a reason, because he has an arm like crazy. And his his cut stealing percentage is just off the charts. So he hasn't been with Houston for that long. He came very recently at the end of the season. But since he's been with Houston, he has 63% cut stealing, which is way out of the normal range. His his overall percent is 49 for the year. Let's define the cut stealing. So he's a catcher. So the cut stealing percentage means when someone's trying to steal second base, 
pitcher throws in the ball, he bullets it, he rockets it out to second base in time and places it well enough that the second baseman or the shortstop can tag out that that person trying to steal. And the Red Sox have a lot of fast guys who like to steal. Read Mookie Betts and his 30-30, right? So I think that was some good planning on the part of the Astros. The other thing that they did was they got the closer soon, and I'm not going to talk about him now because I have to talk about him later, and I'm just so fucking sick of him. Uh, the Astros just have a solid lineup, though. They're just solid, top to bottom. Their rotation is solid, and that's what's a little bit terrifying. So as far as strategy goes, well, they're, they're just good. I mean, just what do, I, what what do doing, I say? Right? They're good. Yeah, yeah. The Red Sox need to think a little bit more. You would think they would have an advantage with having Cora as the manager now, seeing as though he was a bench coach on the Astros last year. So he should know who they're playing really well. Maybe because we lost him mid-game last night is a little bit why things fell apart so much. I don't know. He got thrown out because of defending Benny. Um, but we also have another addition to the starting pitchers, Evaldi, whose numbers are mediocre but better than most against the Astros. And he did really well against the Yankees. So I'm looking forward to seeing him pitch. And he will not have pitched when this podcast drops yet. Price on the other hand, will have. And that's something that's being talked about a lot because he has no postseason wins and he has 10 postseason losses. And after losing last night with Sale, you all are going to know what happened with Price. And I figure either everybody's going to be like, all right, we knew it, or Core is a hero and we're all super happy. So I'm a little tense about it, but you know, it's not a horrible. So why is he pitching Price against the Astros? Because, thank you for asking that, Price actually, out of all the starting pitchers, has the best numbers against the Astros this year, even better than Sale, even better than uh, than Evaldi. He's done well during the season. The big question is, can he handle this postseason um, pressure? And and we need our bats to, to wake up. And when you're talking about the matchups, I'm totally confused because we were all screaming, why did Nunez go in last night? And it turns out, it would have been better to put Devers in because of the lefty-righty matchups, and I forget which way is which. But honestly, trust me, Devers was the one that we <laughs> wanted in, not Nunez. So go figure. Maybe maybe you need to call Alex after the show. One of the interesting things about this particular series is that throughout the regular season, the Red Sox scored more runs than anybody else in the league, and the Astros allowed the fewest number of runs than anybody in the league. So that's a hell of a thing. I'm going to call my next segment two dickheads in the dugout and one near the bullpen. First, the dickheads in the dugout, which I am really unhappy about. This is re reason number 3,281 about why we should all be pulling for the Red Sox. And, you know, it has to do with Asuna, who we've been talking to. Talking to. That would be nice if we could. No, we've been talking about him a lot and the alleged domestic abuse case and his suspension this season. Go back to past episodes for details. It was during the, the Astros-Cleveland ALDS Game 3 where I think he was walking in or out of the... He, he, was, in, he was in the bullpen. Yeah, okay. He was hanging in the bullpen. So, uh, right, right, the relievers coming out. And uh, there was a heckler nearby who just started saying stuff like, don't you remember baseball before domestic violence and things like that. And coming to his defense was Ryan Presley, who... Coming to the defense of Osuna, of not Osuna. the heckler. Right, right. So the we are coming to the defense of the heckler because this Cleveland fan did all right. Exactly. <laughs> and I did a pretty shitty job with that. The heckler is heckling Osuna that he is accused of domestic violence and shouldn't we be talking about that, thinking about that? 
And Presley responds to the heckler. And Presley's also in the bullpen. And he is the mid-reliever who's really being relied on a lot. So he's an important guy for the Astros right now. And he defends Asuna and tells the heckler to basically to shut up. But he does it in, in you know, just a way that pisses me off. <laughs> he said, just don't bring that stuff up. And that's something that we've been complaining about a lot, that you have to bring this stuff up. Don't let this stuff go away. Just don't bring that stuff up. And then he said that he's, meaning Asuna, he's trying to be a professional, but you're coming over here and being a dickhead, dude. Well, you know what? Who's the dickhead? At this point, it's both Presley and Asuna. And Presley added at the end, you're fucking soft to the heckler. Telling him that, huh? Yeah, wow, he really told him for sure. The Cleveland fan also yelled back, I bet you've heard worse than New York. Which I was amused by. That would be Speaking great. of New York dickheads. Thank you so much. That was the perfect segue. I really appreciate that. So New York fans, it turns out, can be dickheads as well. One of them threw a full can of beer at uh, Kimbrell, our, the closer of the Red Sox, in the final game in New York as he's exiting the bullpen to go in and pitch. And he had a rough time that night, too. And he gets a full can of beer thrown at him. That's dangerous. And it's a waste of beer. And it's a stadium beer, so it's damn expensive, too. So this is like a rich dickhead. That's crazy. Gotta be, right? Let's move on from dickheads to betters. That's good. How about that? That's a good trade. I will trade you that. (laughs) I will trade you that. I will. Or we could have a little bet on who's going to be the next dickhead or what city's going to have the next um, altercation. Hmm. Let's see what happens. Okay, so wagers. Last week, we talked about some of the the bets going on about that the previous round in the postseason. So we're going to catch you up on some things. Some of these are very personal bets. We never mentioned there is a woman who bet on Twitter that if Ronald Acuna of the Braves hit that grand slam in that in that postseason game, she would get his face tattooed on her body. And he did. And she did. And sent photo proof. So rock on for fulfilling your promise to get Ronald Acuna Jr.'s face tattooed to your forearm. Just do you want to do a, pr- a pronunciation little little tweak there? It's Acuna with Acuna. an N. Yes, it is. And, and the only reason why it's actually worth correcting, well, it always is because it's somebody's name, sure. is that Enya has become a huge symbol for, for Braves fans. A lot of them are putting really? it where there should be ends <laughs> in words and their names. And it's a little like, check out, we're into Acuna kind of thing. It's a little <laughs> It's a little sign. Not sign. sure how I feel about that, but mm-hmm. Acuna, my mm-hmm. apologies. Um, and I think your favorite thing that came out of this week was seeing A-Rod in a Red Sox uniform. Sort of. It sort was of. painful weird, right? in a way. Like he looked awkward. He looked so awkward. And it's got to be uncomfortable seeing him because, you know, we don't really care for him all that much. And then seeing him in the Red Sox uniform. He had the nerve to bring up, though, that he almost was in one in 2004. So yeah. he brought that up. My favorite of the the wagers made good is um, there's a... a a burger joint in Wisconsin that for years, for many, many years, has had these promises that if the Brewers win a dozen games in a row or if the Brewers do whatever, we will give everybody free food. And the last bet was, in fact, if the, the one that was still in play was if they have 12 victories in a row, everybody gets free burgers. And wouldn't you know it, that was the game one of, of this round. So... Next week, one day, everybody who walks into this place gets free burgers. And um, um, Council, the the manager of the Brewers going into game one, said, if there wasn't pressure enough, now we have the free burger pressure. That's a good one. But they got that one. Um, catching you up on the Miller Coors bet of the previous round. You know, I didn't do my homework. I didn't realize they had the same parent company with a clever name of Miller Coors. 
Wow, which that explains a lot about the double quality Doesn't beer. it? Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But it is, in fact, the divisions, the, the Miller Beer Division in Milwaukee and the Coors Division in um, in Denver. So they had this bet, which, of course, the Brewers won because they moved on. So the the Coors Division is paying what well, paid for the first round of Miller Lite. It's kind of insult to injury. The first round of Miller Lite last Friday at 135 bars in Milwaukee. You know, it just occurred to me that you'd think that a team with the name Brewers would have the advantage in a beer bet. That kind of makes sense. They should win a beer bet. You think? Uh-huh. Well, and they did. Uh-huh. Uh, so um, the Brooklyn Brewery apparently also had a bet with Sam Adams, which we were not aware of last week. But because they lost, they had to rename one of their beers on tap. This socks pale lager. For a week, which I'm amused by. Um, the craft breweries are getting into it. Also, um, there's a, a brewery in Milwaukee called Lakefront Brewery, which challenged Los Angeles um, Eagle Rock Brewery. They have a charity bet. They will donate money to the charity of the winning um, city's choice, the winning brewery's choice. Um, plus, they'll send them two cases of their beer and something special, which is supposed to be like a food item from the place. But they could they could decide what that something special means. And then they have to send photo proof um, back the other way of how they're use how they're enjoying the beer and the something special. That's a pretty good deal. There's there's also a win win situation if you happen to live in or around Green Bay, Wisconsin. There's the Title Town Brewing Company, a local brewery, is lowering prices by a quarter with every hit of the brewers. And they figure it, it's $6 beers, which is a pretty good deal. Y'all should go there. Uh, but <laughs> it would take 24 hits to get a free beer. So maybe not giving out a lot of free beers, but hey, cheap beer is cheap beer. Now, is that cumulative or is that per game? It's per game. Oh, it's per okay, game. So I you got to keep going back gotcha. to the brewery. Okay. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. Um, the um, the library bet that we talked about last week, Boston won in addition to the whole um, getting the books about the city promoted. They also got bagels. And the police chief bet between Cleveland and Houston, obviously Houston won that. Corned beef apparently is on the way from Cleveland to Houston. And the Houston police chief is feeling pretty confident. So he moved his bet along to the Boston chief of police to continue a food bet with them, with the, with the police force in Boston. But also the losing police chief has to wear the winner's hat and jersey for a day in addition to the food. Food from Boston police must be Dunkin' Donuts. I just realized that. It must be Dunkin' Donuts. Go to any Dunkin' Donuts in Boston. There's a cop car right outside. For real. Go check it. I'm going to tell you a little bit about baseball that exists if you're sick of these four teams. There are a lot of people out there who maybe dislike the Red Sox and maybe are sick of all of the other teams and still want to watch baseball. There is winter baseball happening. There's winter baseball. Well, fall. Fall baseball in Arizona for the next month until the 17th of November. There's actual Winter League Baseball happening in Venezuela, and this is where a lot of prospects are. You know, check them out. Happening until the end of December, the 29th. We have the Dominican League going on until mid-December. And I thought that there was a Mexican League now, and I was trying to look around to figure out how do I get more info on the Mexican League, and I looked it up and I saw a few teams in one site and a bunch of teams in the other. And I thought, I'm going to check out the page of this woman who we learned about before. The first woman umpire has a Twitter page. And I noticed her messages were open. So I sent her a message and she said, call me. It'll be easier to explain it. So I called her. Super nice. This is Luz Alicia Gordoa. I would love to have her on the podcast, but she does not speak English, for which she apologized. And I was like, seriously, you're, you're in Mexico. I'm happy to be speaking Spanish with you. 
And she pointed out that what's going on now is not the Mexican League. The Mexican League actually plays when we do. So I felt like a fucking idiot because I'm asking very basic questions. And the Mexican League is huge. It's all over Mexico, a large country. And she just finished umping with the Mexican League. She is not working in the Winter League. The Winter League is called La Liga Pacifica. And I guess it's on the Pacific Coast and they have six teams that are, it's sort of like our Arizona Fall League. But what she's doing now is she's working with academias, which are baseball academies for teenagers ages 15 to 17, where they live and breathe baseball now. And she's doing that and just being able to talk to her about what is it like being a female umpire in Mexico, which was way less conversation than I had anticipated. She was like, it's great. They welcomed me great. I was like, what kind of problems? Because we had talked about issues in this country with the Academy for Umpires and women getting in. I said, how did you get into it? And she said, the president of Mexican baseball wanted women to get involved. He actually reached out to the head of the Mexican Umpires Association and said, try to find some women. She had been active in soccer and softball, and they found her and trained her, and there are more coming after her. So yay, Mexico. I'm freaked out that it sounded so positive. But, you know, I think all this reporting on other shit has gotten me a little jaded. Yay, if this is the way it is. Yay for that. And I'm going to lead right into some of the other shit. Damn it. Mm. Um, The last thing we're going to talk about really today is, um, you know, I always like it when I can turn the conversation to hockey. But today I'm sad that we're turning the conversation to hockey. Um, The NHL is the only one of the four major sports leagues to not have a formal domestic abuse policy. Right. Austin Watson of the Nashville Predators in June had an altercation in his car with his girlfriend, who's also the mother of his child, it was their witnesses called police and said, hey, I think there's trouble here. Um, he's shoving her around. He pled no contest to misdemeanor domestic assault and got probation. And, you know, the, the typical you're going to attend this program to, you know, to understand what you did and learn how to be better. The NHL, the Hockey League, uh, had their own investigation and then they gave him a 27 game suspension. In September, this this is when this started. So, okay, that seems probably about right, even though there's no policy. So they're kind of making this up. They're doing this on their own without any rules to guide how this goes. When there is a suspension in hockey, the players league, the, the players union, basically, usually it usually initiates an appeal from them. And there's an independent arbitrator that hears these appeals. So the the arbitrator heard this appeal and reduced the suspension from 27 games to 18 games. Even the NHL was shocked by this huge reduction. Uh, For perspective on how long suspensions are, um, the Capitals, uh, Tom Wilson, was just suspended for 20 games for an illegal dangerous hit during a game. Right. Wow. One hit, 20 games. It was a bad hit. Yeah, but still assault. And right. Yes. Like, yes, he deserves it. But yes, fucked up. Exactly. So that's kind of back to what we're talking about before. Like people are um, they care more about baseball players being busted for drugs because that affects their play during the game than they are about how they're, you know, how they are outside treating women or whatever it is. And they're going to get less punishment for that. Interesting fun fact about the arbitrator, um, Shyam Das. He's worked with the NFL in the past, and he was fired from the MLB. I could not get more details. Everything I read said he was fired a few months after he reduced uh, another suspe- suspension in the in Major League Baseball. That one wasn't, in fact, a drug-related suspension. Since I started looking into this, 
an interesting thing happened just yesterday. The girlfriend in question, the victim of the domestic abuse, wrote a letter yesterday, released a letter saying that she is an Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, This was an alcohol-related incident in that I think she was implying that she was at fault at all of this and said there was this was not domestic abuse. She says, I, uh, you know, I sympathize with victims of domestic abuse. That's not what this was. And of course, the Internet is all over this, like, okay, what does this mean? Is this a cover up? Is this real? Is she trying to, like, make excuses or is it, you know, so no one knows other than what she said. But it's it's kind of amazing. And and it, it just begs for more. Please put policies in place so we're not just guessing. And that that fired from MLB is just reeling. Like, I just can't grasp how somebody who's fired from Major League Baseball can get another position. Like yeah, it's hockey. Like, yeah. yeah, it's hockey. Damn. Sure. Right. And I love hockey. So hockey, um, hockey, it sounds like hockey's trying to do better. The fact that the the league itself was issuing statements about how um, upset they were that the suspension was reduced means something. And it'll mean more if they take steps to put a put a, something in place. We've got baseball to watch this week. We've got so much baseball, and it's nerve-wracking. I'm and stressed. it's exciting. I'm yeah, you're stressed. very stressed. I, I'm here for you, but sort of. I know. Yeah, you're not up to snuff today, but you'll be, you'll be right back, Adam, tomorrow. I'm, I'll I'm be sure. with you Some in spirit. Rest. Absolutely. So um, we hope you're watching baseball, too. If you're not watching um, the postseason, maybe you're watching these other leagues that, that Potty Mouth just told you about. We're hoping that you're listening to the podcast and that we're coming up on our first anniversary. My gosh, I know. So you've got lots to go back and listen to. If you just found us recently, you can see how this all got started. Please tell your friends about us. Please rate and review. And gosh, do you have anything else? That's it. Then say goodnight, Potty Mouth. I'll say goodnight, Potty Mouth. 